0: Ken Campbell,
1: The Seekers Podcast. John me come. Sing, sing, long John Fram. Jake Gratisino,
2: come. Sing, sing, long John Fram. John me come. Sing, sing, long John Fram. Jake no come. Sing, sing, long John from Greetings, Seekers, and uh, hilarious. This is what I loved. I mean, this is it for me, right? Please don't imagine that I go home and it's better. It's
0: (laughs) not. Welcome to Ken Campbell, The Seeker's Podcast, hosted by me, Daisy Campbell, Ken's daughter and David Bramwell.
1: Ken Campbell was one of a kind. An unconventional performer, wordsmith, theatre director, comedian, trickster and creative powerhouse. For this unique series, we'll be plundering Ken's archive to bring you the best recordings of his one-man shows, as well as other selected treats. It's probably worth telling the listeners, isn't it, Daisy, that, that we've we've very deliberately broken up these monologues into um, part one and part two for the longer ones, like Jamais Vu, precisely because that's what would happen if, you know, if you'd go to see Ken live, because there's so much information, there's so rich, that, that you need that yes. sort of coffee break, that toilet break, yeah. you know.
0: I used to love it. As a kid, you know, I'd often be in the audience, often. And, um... And one of the things that I sort of enjoyed to do in a slightly weird spy-like way was I'd sort of hang out in the loo's or in the bar because I'd usually wouldn't be with anyone else, so there'd be no one to talk to in the interval, and uh, and just listen to people going, "What? I mean, surely that bit's not true, and that can't be," and I'm just the dying to kind of go, "It is! It
2: is!" <laughs>
0: well, you know, um, and occasionally I would, and yeah, but it was it was always really fascinating listening to the kind of interval chat. Uh, of all the uh, of all the people there particularly when he was at the national because that was an audience that you know wasn't comprised totally of his seekers yeah, you know, as he yeah. called them but people coming to him often for the first time and trying to figure out what the hell to make of him
1: now one of the themes that that crops up again and again in his monologues is pigeon english but do you know where the original passion for pigeon came from
0: no, the first that I was aware of it was we'd just done the revival warp and there was kind of, um, you know, it was it was just winding down. And so he started picking some of his favourite um, company members to start learning bits of pigeon and see if they could do it. Because he had this idea for translating Macbeth into pidgin English. And suddenly, you know, having not really ever heard him discuss it before, we were fully in, and a bunch of us fully learning Pidgin English, and I was helping translate Macbeth and all the rest of it. Um, so I don't remember him talking about it before, but I mean the way, yeah, the way he describes it, it's like a long-standing fascination. I wouldn't be surprised if he if he stumbled upon it back in sort of Gants Hill Library days, really, right. and had just sort of stored it away as, as, as just the most extraordinary use of language. I mean, he loved language so much. And, um, and so I think it just spoke to him on that level, really. As a, right. And then to discover the whole story behind it um, just blew his mind, I think.
1: So we, we left him at the end of the first half... I think being addressed directly by the television and about to, to pack his bags and head off to uh, to Tanner.
0: That's right, yes. So um, here we go then. Jamais vu part two.
2: So I, I was sitting on this little aeroplane and most of my fellow passengers were chickens. Live, live chickens. The little heads coming out of... Uh, Woven baskets, they were piled up on the seats. Some of them were a bit alarmed, and then the others seemed to be comforting them, you know. And we were flying over the Stone Age island of Tanna. Somewhere down below in the jungle would be the Iounahunan, who allegedly worshipped the Duke of Edinburgh. And we were flying over this enormous pit. And the fellow behind nudged me. He said, "See, he said, see the two eyes of Yasur." And then we were flying evidently over Yasur, the volcano, and the two eyes are these erupting furnaces. Actually, the fellow behind was of some interest. He was importing holy sprays into Tanna. He was hoping to unload them on the Rambo Catholic Church. Following um, independence in 1980 on Tanna, they'd largely reverted from Christianity to worship of uh, Yasur the Volcano and uh, the John From cargo cult church. That was their custom. Um, <clears throat> the French had still got a little mission hall and it was um, called the Rambo Catholic Church. It was largely given over to the showing of Rambo films on a Friday. <laughs> And the tribes who went to those services, they knew the Rambo films by heart. They used to join in the Rambo films. And every Easter they do a Rambo passion play. Anyway, um, it was hoped that these uh, blessed sprays might signal a, a return to orthodoxy. Um, make the sign of the cross, let us spray. hmm. Mm. Plane of fall down is the cry. Plane of fall down. That would mean in the uh, Bislama pigeon English of the, the islands that the plane has landed. Bislama pigeon. Bislama are the uh, sea slugs there, uh, much prized by the Japanese who use them to make their pricks bigger and then from somewhere else they get rhinoceros horn to give them the required extra energy to be able to use them. Plane the fall down. If it had crashed, they'd say plane of fall down, bugger up. The uh, official book on the, on the islands is this History of the Three Flags. New Hebrides is changeover to the Republic of Vanuatu. It's by the first Chief Minister of Self Government. It's in three languages French, British, and Bislama Pidgin. Yeah, Pidgin first. Before white man e come finum, you me Oli get a people long every islands allie friendly people mo all I get a big feller islands allie gap people long hem mo allie he cannibals in english before the white man came and discovered us all the people in the islands were friendly all the bigger islands were inhabited and the people were cannibals <clears throat> the, uh, the the language is uh, so attractive, I think this pigeon, here's has a sign, I snap, suppose you want them ferry, you kill them gong, you know, kill them the gong, kill them just means hit, if you want to say kill, you've got to say kill all together, dead, finished, yeah, um, Now, in their their colonial days, in the New Hebrides days, they were ruled over jointly by the French and the British, but apparently with no accent at all on the jointly. This gave them two sets of conflicting laws, two sets of conflicting law enforcers, two sides of the road on which to drive. Uh, Called properly the Government of Condominium, it was known locally as the Government of Pandemonium. And the, uh, the, the, uh, the pigeon, uh, of course, comes from the great slaving, the grand blackbirding days, when us and the French had steamed into different islands, grabbing a geezer here and a geezer there to shovel batshit out of guano caves, to work the plantations. More than 2,000 different languages on those islands. And the poor buggers couldn't talk to each other. And so they'd adopted the persecutor's tongue, wonderfully preferring pigeon English to pigeon French. Because the French even while flogging them, had been prissy about their pronunciation. <laughs> anyway, I was um, asking uh, round about uh, about the Iounahunan, Was it's possible to meet the Hanan who worshiped the Duke of Edinburgh. They said, well, it's not here. They said, you're on, you're on the capital island of Ifati here. They said, no, you'd have to go to Tanna for that. They said, but it's not on the, it's not on the tourist track, you know. You'd be, uh, you'd be heading into Nambus country. Do you know what a Nambus is? Um, yes, um, it's a penis wrapper. But yeah. Also, it's John Froome territory. Now Tanner Island in the uh, colonial New Hebrides days have been looked after by us mainly. Uh, by our Presbyterians, military-backed Presbyterians. We gave the attorneys the option they could convert to Christianity, which is called locally "Ollie Pull Him Everyone get your pants on, or they could have their villages shelled. Oh, well, they saw, they saw the light in quite some number. And, uh, of course, once you pull him the trousers on, then the, uh, the church holds your land in trust. And then if you lose him trousers, if you you lose him trousers, you'll lose all title indeed to the land. Natch. Now, the the, uh, Presbyterians were a brave bunch. They braved the hostility, the disease of the jungle, but they found them. They located every one of the magic stones and rocks of Tanner. And they dug them all up and they slung them into the sea at Green Point. And they, uh, they banned the drinking of Carver this non-alcoholic but heavily narcotic root-based drink, and they banned the dancing, the singing, and the recital of myths, and they banned the eating of each other, and they banned the swapping of wives, and they banned the wearing of the nambus, and they banned the 100-day circumcision ritual, which actually is not so much circumcision as surcision or supercision. At the age of eight or so, the little lads would uh, present their plonkers to the rock. Uh, Whack! Comes down the uh, flint axe. And then the little lads are led off into the jungle. They're not going to see their mums now for a hundred days. And then they're not allowed to touch themselves at all. They've got to eat with their elbows. And then while they're there, the elders and the wise men will enter odds and sods and bits and pieces into the wound to give every little lad a customised, individualised donger worth the having. And to help them to uh, grow into men, the elders will paint faces on their asses and prance in at them backwards and shit on their heads. And of course, the, um, at the end of the hundred days, the enforced homosexuality comes to an end. Um, except in the case, you know, some ladish has some particular promise in this area. <laughs> They're very similar to our Scouts. <laughs> no, come on. The, the Scouts, from its inception, was a device for supplying pederasts with a vast choice of lads. The, uh, the founder even calling his book Scouting for Boys. <laughs> uh, anyway, the... Uh, Anyway, the tender little lads now, at the end of the hundred days, coming out of the jungle, reunited with their mums. Now, they're basically vegetarians there, but at times of high excitement, they bonk pigs. Uh, I mean, it's where they're ceremonial pig bonkers, these great mates they'll lay down some pigs. And... Um, this is a sacrifice, because pigs are, pigs are regarded as one-quarter human. And they're really cocky little buggers, these pigs. I mean, they, they, they really look like they own the place. I'd go along with that. And ladies, when they're suckling their infant, they will be expected to suckle as well the runt of a pig litter. And apparently quite a caper it is. Really one of the joys of motherhood. you know there's not one recorded case of postnatal depression? I mean, not as long, you know, as, long as you've got your little, uh, your little peccary. <laughs> anyway, I, I pass these things on. Um, Anyway, it's the end of the hundred days, they're out to they have this great bacon orgy, and then the, ra- the the mums rape the geezers. Rampant mums gonna come at you now, chaps. Well, one'll seal on your head, another will whack your customized donger up to the skies and yes sir! Anyway, all these joys were denied the tannies by the Presbyterians. <laughs> but then in 1937, had a Riz the Messiah. Out of the sea he came at Greenpoint Tanner and he gave his name as John Frum. John Frum he come, Jake Cratis he no come, goes the triumphant hymn. Jake Cratis, their way of saying Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has been promising a return now for 2,000 years so far. No show. And there's a difference. John Frum he come. And he came out of the sea and he was a white man of military bearing in a bowler hat. I, was, I was glad, of course, believe he was um, a spirit of the Tannies' ancestors, uh, held at that moment in a white body. Anyway, John Frum, these are 28 different indigenous languages on Tanna, but John Frum, he spoke every man his own tongue. And his first commandment was lose him, Bible. <laughs> Sling all your Bibles into the sea, boys. And let's have the carver drinking back, please. Let's swap our wives, please. Let's have the grand old hundred days back and one for me. Hey. And get your nambuses on. Yeah. Now, this was the big uprising on Tanner. And that's when descriptions of John Frum change: One day is tall, one day is short, one day is fat, one day is thin. And then he's not even white. He was a black guy who uh, whited up. And he's caught many times, but he's never him. And many John Frum followers are shot, and some have to go off and do time in the jail if farty. But John Frum, he come every night at six o'clock to our boys in the jail. And he come in the wall. I say, he come in the wall? He walk through walls then, John Frum. No, he come in the wall. He teach our boys knock-knock talk. I said, knock-knock talk. Well, like morse, you mean, Yeah. And John from he said, Don't work too hard, and I will be with you at Carver time. Hmm. Anyway, anyway, I, I, I went into the little uh, tourist office um, on, the, on the Fati Island, and I said, to, Is it possible to get to Tana? They said, well, when you want to go, you'd have to go on the chicken run. I said, well, that's fine. I said, listen, while I'm there, I, I really want to visit the Hanan, who uh, worship the Duke of Edinburgh. They said, well, there's no way we can organise that for you. So what we can suggest is you buy a voucher for all the little tours they do do on uh, Tanner, and then and get some of that money will go to the guide, you see, and maybe they'll be, uh, you know, so happy, they'll try and uh, do you a favour. All we can suggest. Right. right. It's very expensive, incidentally, the jungle. Uh, anyway, come on, let's go. Um... <clears throat> Plan the fall down. Anyway, we've landed in this little field and the, um, the airport building is a shed. And um, the, uh, it, there's a window frame there, but the glass hasn't arrived yet. Anyway, the spray man, he's whisked off to the Rambo Catholic Church and uh, my other fellow passengers, the chickens, they're now united with their new owners. Uh, but there, there was no one there to meet me. And I had been told that Chief, Chief Tom DeMarcus people that was no one there to meet me but there's quite a lot of people who lurk the airport the disconcerting thing is they don't see you, you know? it's like you've invoked your cloud of not to be inquired into this oh, wow. and then there were ladies looking at me I thought oh Christ they're rampant mums <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I've got out my toothpot and I, 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 I put, some, put some cotton wool in and then she was there Pauline, this is, that was the name of my guide, Pauline. It's Zuz! Listen, this South Pacific hair, waz! I mean, this is, it's so practical. She's got a notebook in it, a ruler and a pen. And uh, she said, uh, got any vouchers? Yeah, yeah, so showed her my full set. And she, she was uh, made up. And bongity-bongity-bong, bumping along in the Jeep. I said, I, I said, look, what I most want to do while I'm here, I, I would like to meet the Iounahunan tribe who worship the Duke of Edinburgh. And... Uh, she hadn't got a clue what I was talking about. Yes, yeah, it is. said, he's, um, he's, a, he's, a, he's a god. Um, Prince uh, Philip the... Pillip. She said, Pillip. I said, yeah, 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 Pillip. She said, well, apparently there were two tribes, 2 Pillip Philip-worshipping tribes. Chief Took's tribe and Chief Jack Nivers. Uh, but said whether they see me or not, she didn't know that. Said, Maybe we pick up some news of this um, about this in the John From church. The John from church is uh, woven, it's a, it's, it's a woven church. And um, there was a priestess there, a quite gaunt old lady. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me things. Mm -hmm. But she didn't open her mouth at all. This is because she'd had a dream. John Frum had come to her in a dream. And he had taught her the secret of the international language, the language that can be understood by any person from any part of the world. And the secret is to keep your mouth closed. Mm -hmm. It's only when you open your mouth to speak that confusion occurs. Mm. Anyway, Pauline, um, Pauline asked the um, uh, princess uh, what she thought about whether I'd be able to meet um, any of the Pilip tribes, and the news was terrific. The news was that Chief Jack Niver would see me, and um, it was about a half an hour's drive into the jungle, and um, then you there's this woven, woven hut. And it, 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 it has a sign painted outside in big red paint, it says, John Frum. But when you get up close, there's another sign. Uh, you only see it when you're close. I've, I've, blown, I've blown it up here. A snap I took to the size about it is. Look, notice it's, it's in uh, proper English, not pigeon. And it says, we believe that Prince Philip is originally of Tanner, and we want him to return home and Pauline was in the hut and she, she called for me to go in. And there was this fine old man wearing nothing but his nambus. He it, it doesn't keep the sexual organ in a permanently erect position at all. But mind you, that on other islands you can still find that. Uh, Malakula or Ambrim. They're still doing that there, I believe. But um, there's never been the tanner style at all. The tanner style of nambus is it's a bit like a horse's tail like a witch's broom it sort of reaches that but made of straw reaches down there and you simply put yourself in but the uh, style chaps is bollocks out all right there was the chief in his uh in his numbers, and he was standing beside his table of meaningful possessions he had a moldering old coronation book isn't it like a, a, a coffee table royal family book there was a signed framed photograph of prince philip the centre table was the biscuit tin. It, it's got the, um, the queen on one side, or the quin, they call it the Quinn. Uh, Prince Charles, incidentally, is um, number one pickaninny blonde queen. <laughs> anyway, the quin. but more significantly, Philip, uh, the god on the other side. I, I, I've never handled any religious item with as much reverence as Chief Jack's biscuit tin. And on the other side of the hut is uh, bed matting. And uh, laid out on the bed matting, a brand new nambus. Uh, nambus there, ready for the dukes. The duke, when he returns, I, I said to Pauline, I'm not sure he'll, he'll, uh, he'll find it all that comfortable you know, until he gets used to it. Uh, she said, well, I'm sure in his case he may cushion himself with a handkerchief. Well, I said, that's a, that's a relief. Um, I said, so, I said, so uh, has, has the chief, uh, the chief's actually met Pillet then? Yes, and Philip said he, he would be coming back. Yes. Now, isn't um, if you worship Philip, then your religion is Pilipanity or as they call it, Pilipanti. And the creed of the Pilipantes is something like this: They're not saying they're not saying that Philip is God Almighty at all. He's not as big as Yasu the volcano, and he's uh, nothing as big as John Frum. But he's a handy little uh, household god. And I mean, he's uh, he's not perfect, he's got flaws in his character, a bit arrogant, uh, a bit bit on the flirty side, possibly in a charming way. These are the theories there. Uh, But that's why he's currently undergoing punishment. That is why he's under the thumb of the grumpy woman you can see on the front of British banknotes. He is him, he's a tanny soul, like John Fromm. He's a spirit of their ancestors, but currently trapped in a white body. But, um, a white body of some significance. A white body which can be chased, traced back to Jake Kratis, or Jesus Christ. And it is um, Philip's secret goal in life is that he wants to be pumping this hot holy blood back into the tribes of Tanner. And uh, the Iounahunan are ready for him. The Iounahunan have had uh, three virgins ready for him for nearly 30 years now. Uh, I mean, they, they change the virgins every two years or so, fresh virgins every couple of years. Uh, when I got back to England, I, I rang up a, a one-time High Commissioner for the islands, and I said, um, did the Duke of Edinburgh ever go there? Absolutely not, he said. I said, oh, that's it." Asking because Chief Jack Niver seems um, to think he did. He said, I'm sure Chief Jack Niver may well be convinced he did. He said, but you know that in their culture, they, they make no difference between dream and reality. He said, you know the strength of that stuff they drink. <laughs> he said, I I really do little else with my time than I plough through missionary books and I buy every new book on the South Pacific as it comes out. And he he um is a charming little book. Coconuts and Coral by Gwendolyn Page. Mrs. Page, a, a British housewife. She lived on the islands many years ago. Uh, she writes about what, it, what the sort of things they ate there, what Christmas was like and stuff. And she, she prints this snap she took. It's of uh, Mr. D. Walford and French Commandant of Police meet H.R.H., the Duke of Edinburgh, on his visit to the New Hebrides in March 19... 19- 71. On page 196 she details for us the dances which were danced for the duke on that occasion. So, he certainly uh, went to the islands, my lad. Oh yes, yes, We well, never went to Tana. Really, so um, he never went to the one island which yearns for his return. One can only suggest that he goes on less visits. Then he might be worshipped in more places. Anyway, they, they take his return very seriously on Tanner. And they've woven for him a palace up in a banyan tree. And from there, him and Chief Tug and Chief Jack neither can rule the world. Uh, Chief Jack had um, some quite recent Western newspapers, you know? Stuff like this, Phillips kick in the goulash. And he looked very concerned. Quite honestly, I don't, I don't think it was, a, it was any worry about Hungarians, rudeness to Hungarians. I think he was concerned about the age of the Duke, you know. He's really going to have to get out there quite soon now, or he won't be up to his holy task, not, um, not unless he is the great Spunko. And as um, Jake says, it, it's a bit tasteless from a wheelchair. Uh, anyway, one does, of course, ask oneself how, how, how on earth this came about. I can put it together for you in this way. It, um... Think it's the run-up towards their independence. It was pretty clear that there was going to be no British influence left on that island. They really couldn't wait for us to get off. You know, Olly pulling trousers, such a charming little expression. It does um, shield us from... A bit of bad feeling on that island, actually. I mean, it was it was a British business interest, saw its chances here, you see? And so we were, they were all being forced into trousers, so we supplied them with poisoned trousers. Now, the trousers were full of measles and things, and we managed to get the population down from 20,000 to 6,000. That's liberating vast tracts of valuable land for the intensive growing of coconuts. I said, bloody coconuts? Yeah, for the copra. What is copra? It's the dried flesh of coconut used in the manufacture of soap. Gee. Levers, easy shaving stick. Bong. Yeah, I, I, I said to Pauline, I said, you know, I, 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 I've used that soap. She said, how could you use that soap? I, I, I said, listen, they I, I didn't actually stress this aspect in their advertising. Anyway, um, a high commissioner for the islands, you know, knew you thinking of those islands. He'd steamed over there with some crap from the coronation and a, a dangerous Gans Hill book or two. And uh, we've still got, we're still there. we've still got a little bit of influence on the island you know, with the, with the Philip worshipping tribes and, and the French have still got their, their Rambo Catholic mission hall. <laughs> you know, sort of sweet, I suppose, in an awful way. And, um, but Pauline said, Chief Jack Niver... Would like to take Carver with you. I said, well, that, 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 that would be an honour. Um, she said, you understand I cannot be with you. I said, yeah. I said, have you got any advice? She said, it would be better if you wore less clothes. She said, you see how far Chief Jack stands from you. It's not because he doesn't like you. It's because he has fright of your clothes. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, she, she went off. She she went off in the jeep actually. And um, Chief Jack Niver stayed talking to me for a while. Mm-hmm. He didn't open his mouth, you know, so I knew what he was saying. And um, then he went off. I assumed he'd gone off to round up the other pilly panties for this uh, carbon drinking ceremony. And right, wear less clothes. Is. So I I took and I I took off my shirt. I thought, God, I hope that's enough, isn't it? And, um, then I saw I had the chance of a lifetime. Wow, I, I, I'm going to get a picture of myself in the Duke of Edinburgh's Nambus, yeah? And there, were, there, was, there was absolutely no one around. Okay, so I, I, I stripped right off and, uh, I, I, oh, come on, let's really go for this, shall we? And... Uh, <laughs> Oh. I whip a sock onto me Johnson. And then in came Chief Jack and ate Philip panties. I laid the numbers um, and followed my hosts to the carver grove. One of them, we were to drink the carver and, uh, beneath Philip's Palace. Carver, the scraped, peeled roots of Piper methysticum, chewed to a pulp by uncircumcised male virgins <laughs> then the results of their labour mm. like, 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 dog-sick the second time round is heaved onto leaves and then transferred onto mat a little bit of water poured on and patted in and then the whole enterprise is squished through into a battered enamel potty Tanny's carver, the strongest in the South Pacific they say and it's drunk in silence. If you need to say anything, you must make your words no more than the breeze in the banyan tree. And anyway, where the form is, you should be listening to the advice, the wisdom of the ancestors, the spirits of the ancestors in the rustle of the leaves. Anyway, I accepted a, a second shell of carver. It tastes like soil and snot. And the, the, the trick is to. Vault it quickly past any taste buds. Mm. Two shells of carver achieves you complete jamais vu of both legs. <laughs> and my, my thoughts return to the royal family. Wasn't I supposed to be saving them or something? Woo wish. I could hear the, the, hear the spirit of the ancestors in the banyan tree now. Woo wish. Woo brish. Woo brish. And it of a sudden, my my head was full of Irish voices: KOROS hubris, nemesis, ate." KOROS hubris, nemesis, ate. There we go. Oh, what? Coros, hubris, nemesis, ate. That's a that's an ancient Greek drama notion. KOROS hubris, nemesis, ate. That I long ago discarded as unlikely to have any relevance in our modern life. You yeah? know, we are the children of Marx. We're the kids of Freud. We do things because of our environment, because of seeing our dad's donger at an unsuitable moment. They're, they're not open to us, the fatal flaws, the tragic choices that they had in ancient Greece. But how does that thing go? Chorus, hubris, nemesis, Right? Chorus, m- with the meaning too much. Hubris, meaning way too much. Huh? Like um, An arrogance. I mean, more, it's like a cast of mind that supposes that the usual rules don't apply to you. You are special and okay. Nemesis fate at destruction. But listen, wasn't one of the big numbers of hubris masquerading as a deity? And any hint of that, the gods are going to come shrieking out of the skies. And they're going to wreak havoc upon generation to come, everlasting. And wasn't the duke, one understands out of duty to British business interests, guilty? of masquerading as a god in these parts. accepted a third shell of carver oh the dick nose and laughing mirror were a hit um, <laughs> only an icon could save them now do you know what I mean like, uh, 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 imagine uh, Prince Philip Prince Philip comes back as promised so we get the picture Prince Philip we're, uh, with Chief Jack I don't think that's enough now that would be more like um, Philip washing Jack's and that becomes, you know, the icon, the picture. What I mean, is reproduced, poster-sized, by the billions, sold in boots. Artistic query here. Should the Duke be in his white animal of the fleet, kid, or should he be in Nambus, be in his Nambus for this holy ablution? Wow. Woo-hoo. Brish from the Banyan tree. Whoa! And there was a, a marvellous upsurge of lava from Yasser the god volcano. And then um, I rose upon absent legs. Uh, I mean, I uh, like, um, Utilising balance and gravity, I uh, I off towards the volcano. The carver assembly made no motion to stop me. In fact, they made no motion at all. You know, my, my my notion now was to research the Duke, research the research the Duke to the end of a line. How does it? Feel? How does it feel? How would it feel, Philip, on your final trip to Nemesis? Eyes. There were eyes in the forest, and I, I, I'd turn on them and I'd say, "John me come!" Definitely. Sometimes adding, "Mo, Philip." And I, I, I fancied I was being followed, but I, I had no fear. I was, I was researching the Duke. The usual rules didn't apply to me. And up now. Up now towards the red dead rim of Yasur the volcano. I saw that it was Chief Jack who was following me, his stylish long nambus swinging in the moonlight, and a pig was following him. And I could feel, I could feel now the throb of the volcano underfoot. Philip, said Jack. And this thought came to mind, Hey, hey what if Philip behind the scenes is headhunting? You know, with his Duke of Edinburgh outward-bound award-scheme things, that he's secretly amassing the mental, the physical cream of the world, you know. Philip, fighting on behalf of all that's good in the icy teeth of encroaching chaos. And I thought of my little daughter back in England, that's a little 15 now, and what of her future? To be downloaded, mechanised, mutated, improved. I thought, no! Outward-bound and join the Duke! And I saw, I saw my daughter, I saw Daisy there, up there handling a coach and four with the Duke, you know? Fuck, marsh, fuck. Dog sledge racing from Anchorage to wherever with the Duke. Marsh, fuck, marsh. And then coming down the encroaching ice caps, there with the Duke and also the, the outward bound awards game winners and his uh, tribes of half caste progeny. Here's your icon, Philip, warrior god king. Now, now, right on the uh, rim of the volcano itself. It's not like you think it's going to be. It's more than a mile wide. You can't see the other side. And more than a mile deep. And it's groaning down there, wheezing, and then like, like a cannon firing all ash and crap in your face. Yeah, I said, uh, "Yes, sir." One big fella. God, I said to chief. Jack. And if you get right to, right, right to the edge, there's no, there's no rail there, you know. Get right to the edge. Then you can see the eyes. You see the two burning eyes of Yasua, like the gouged eye holes of Oedipus. I said, uh, John Frum, ear," I said, referring to John from's legendary legions down there in a volcano. John Frum, said Jack. And in that moment... I made it to two of Jack's gods. I made it to Yassir. I made it to John Froome. And just for an instant, I made it to his third. I had the Duke in pink light. Yassir, John Froome, Philip. I mean, man, I believe. I had it wrong in I be- I believed in belief. If only, I could, if only I could grab this moment to bring it back to Britain, you know? What a powerful, regenerating force it would have. John Fromm, come to champion the homeless, the New Age hippie convoys and all shirkers of integrity. Don't work too hard. And I will be with you at opening time. And I heard the beat of the tam-tam calling in the pigs. Bong-bong, pop, bong, bop bong-bong. And I caught... The patiently waiting eyes in the set old face of Chief Jack Niver And I thought, Prince Pilips, your Highness, you've got to come back and say hello again, this fella. It's all probably too late for an icon now, but I think you should just get back and see him. I mean, we wouldn't have to know. But I think a bit of deck hockey with the virgins is cool for, really. I mean actually what I mean why not? It is gonna make up in some way for us having used them as something to wash with. Bong bong bop bop bong bong Mim. And I experienced toujours vous. toujours vous. The moment that won't go away. The moment before which you couldn't have died because you were always here and always will be long past your days. Ah, I I said, Jack, I think I get it. I said, listen, he, he will be coming back. He'll be coming back all right, man. He'll he'll come back in the nick of time. Pelic, God and Emperor of the South Pacific. And before you go, God, save the queen.
0: Ken Campbell, The Seekers podcast, was produced and presented by Daisy Campbell and David Bramwell, with kind permission from the Ken Campbell estate. It was funded by Arts Council England. The disembodied voice of Ken was Jeremy Stockwell. Music by Richard Kilgour.